Hey guys, welcome to another one of my fireside chats. I hope all is well with everyone. I know sheltering in can be tough, but um, I hope to bring a little sunshine and a little humor, cynical humor, of course, to everyone. Today, this is my fireside chat about, as promised, um, about Mr. You Can Have Whatever You Like for you young millennials and for us older gals, Mr. Cognitive Elitist, we know the difference. That said, you know, every a lot of ladies you guys have been asking me and some men about my extraordinary dating history. You know, I can't help it. It just, the cards fell that way. But I wanted to give you some insight because I want women to know, especially older women, plus 45 especially, that your dating history really starts if you're single at 45 plus. It hits a high bar that young women can't begin to fathom or imagine and I really hate that a lot of young women have not had the opportunity to experience that type of love and compassion by a gentleman a distinguished gentleman a gentleman a a scholar he's not only a scholar a man of chivalry and taste, a rogue and a rake at the same time, because I like my bad boy, you know, I like my contrast. And hey, variety is the spice of life, of course. With that said, um, this segment is about Mr. Cognitive Elitist, um, who really kind of hit the high bar, I have to say. We'll just call him the Blue Republican because he was Republican all the way. Um, I would just say that we, for four years, that was one of the most powerful dating relationships I've ever had in my life. And that's the honest to God's truth. And it's not a fairy tale-ish type relationship. You know, neither of us planned to run off into the sunset. Although the carrot was dangled here and there. But I'm a staunch commitment phobe. Marriage just wasn't the thing for me. I enjoyed my freedom. And I knew with his status... I would have to change my life immensely and I had an obligation to my family, myself, my life. And dating was the next best thing. But he was completely and totally marriage material. Um, As fantastic as it may sound, ladies, He was the quintessential knight in shining armor, playboy type, 
all rolled in one. You know, he wasn't that workout, workout buff type. That wasn't him. He, Mr. Blue Republican was your quintessential corporate go-getter. You know, he was the national vice president of a banking institution. Very, very famous one. You know, they closed their doors in 2008 or 9, Lehman Brothers. But he went on to go to, thanks to some connections by moi, uh, he was able to go on and do great things. But if I had to narrow down what we were to each other, I would say that we were arbiters of each other's political emancipation. This is a very powerful thing in and of itself because the Blue Republican and I were drawn together by forces beyond our comprehension. I mean, we met at the at an event at the Four Seasons. Back in the day, Four Seasons in Atlanta downtown would host an event. Um, I think it was every Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Cigars and scotch. It was a meet and greet for professionals, high-end professionals um, who were visiting the city, who lived here. And I I received an invite because you you can't just show up. You have to be invited by a member and so on. And I got lucky. And I was invited and... I just happened to be in a corner by myself because the person who invited me was busy trying to connect with some other female. I found it funny, but he walked over to me, introduced himself, asked if he could get me, you know, refill my drink or replace my drink. And I said, you know, that would be nice. You're very kind. Thank you very much. I said, but I'll accompany you because I I don't, you know, not to be funny. I don't trust anyone I don't know to bring me a drink from across the room. I don't care if it is a high-end event. So he was like, yes, if you'll allow me to escort you. I'm like, okay. Like like, as if we were in a cotillion? No problem because I was a debutante. I'll fall into place just fine. Oh my God. He chuckled. So he laughed so hard. (laughs) Excuse me. It was just funny. You guys are going to have to pardon my allergies today. They are horribly out of control. But that said, you could feel the forces with us working because this blue Republican Mr. Blue Republican is was six feet three and a half. Thin. You, you can tell he works out a little, not a workout buff. Uh, you know, he didn't have what I would call guns, but pretty fit for his age. Um, and I was slightly a few years older. <laughs> I found that funny. He thought I was younger, but I wasn't. I said, well, I guess, you know, 
If we ever hooked up, I would be a cougar. I don't know if I'm ready for that role. He said, I promise you, if we hooked up, we would never know the difference. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> I thought it was funny. But um, we go get the drink, we talk, and boom. We're in the, you know, Obama was running for office at the time. It was coming up to the 2008 election. It was interesting to see how that went. And and this time of year, it was, uh, I think it was around, I would say March of that year. And that was our first encounter. And he asked if he could give me his card. And I said, well, you know, do you have your phone? I can just give you my information by phone and we can reach each other, yada, yada, yada. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course we do. So, boom. We beam each other. I'm like, well, you know, beam beam me up, Scotty. He loved that. He was like, that's one of my favorite shows. It was Tickle Pink. I was like, that's a pretty liberal liberal show for a staunch red Republican. And he just chuckled and chuckled and chuckled. So a few weeks passed and he called again. And he said, you know, um, flying into Atlanta, will I be able to see you? I'm like, not at this time. Because I didn't want to tell him I'm flying out of town on another date. (laughs) I didn't have to because he guessed pretty good. He said, well, I hope you have fun. I hope the gentleman you're going to meet is respectful. I said, he is. He's military. But I said, I've known him for years, longer than you. I said, but, you know, you, you were quite the distraction. I said, but. I don't know where this is going, so I have to see it through. I'm just loyal that way, but I'll be in touch. And that was the end of that. Well, of course, the military personnel person went on a special mission two or three years, and we could not communicate or do anything, so that was the end of that. And I understood because, you know, the country came first. That was my mindset. But we meet again. And we go to this dinner. (laughs) Uh, Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. (laughs) Uh, The dinner was literally disastrous. Not doing part of anything with us. Just other people's prejudices. They really couldn't deal with it. We were at Ruth Chris. I've never had such horrible service. I was so angry. He was really completely dismayed. Face bloodshot red when we left. I, you know... He wanted to go somewhere and have drinks, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm going home. This night has been, I'm like, 
Not only was I snubbed by folks that look like you, I was snubbed by folks that look like me too. So I'm just going to go home and regroup. He called literally every day for a month. You know, just checking how you doing, emails, my phone, I'm with my boss, my phone's inundated with emails. She was like, I don't, I don't email you that much, so who is it, you know? And she was, Pam was always getting into my business, what's going on, you know. Delightfully, of course. She meant no harm by it. But, you know, we're women. We want to talk. And we had that girlfriend attitude. We weren't just, she was my boss and I worked for her. But that said, we went on. You know, I worked. I was working hard. It was a hard year. Plus, I was working with Organizing for America, working with voter registration, all things political. I'm all in. And he and I, you know, we're... In AOL, on AOL, going at it, you know, your boy. First of all, he's a man. Do not call Obama a boy. Candidate Obama is not your boy. You know, he was like, you know, I didn't mean it like that. I would say that about anybody. I'm originally from the South. Uh, I haven't always lived in Minnesota. Okay. Well, you cleared that up, but you do have that Norwegian accent, Minnesota. <laughs> So I would tease him about it all the time because his accent sounded crazy. He said, well, you know, I'm going out to Napa Valley. Would you care to come? Are you kidding? This is the busy busiest time of year for me in my industry. I'm a contract I can't go to. I have to plan that in advance. He was like, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to read. I'm going to call my assistant and readjust my schedule. Whew, okay. Not to be too forward, would you spend the night with me? It'll be a date. And he said, I'll get the presidential suite. You can have the master suite. And that, well, you had me at presidential because I know in a presidential suite, I can lock you out. So that'll work. And, I mean, we practically (laughs) knew each other. I mean, seriously. I I knew his personal secretary by her first name. We would talk on the phone all the time. And, you know, because he would send me flowers. She would call to see if I got the flowers, this gift, that gift, whatever. And I was, I told him, of course. I'm like, we're adults. I have no reason to fear you. You seem determined as hell. Why not? So, we do the presidential suite, first date thing at the Hyatt. My, I mean, the W, my jaw dropped. It was unreal. I mean, he was so grounded in such an emotional and intriguing way. I mean, he's on the phone on a with his people because he's a senior vice president of this huge 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 banking company across the nation and he's in co- on a conference call <laughs> the phone's on mute of course I'm sitting there I'm you know teasing and taunting him and tickling him and doing all kinds of stuff and he's laughing <laughs> and joking and you know he's shaking my hands and 
don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. I'm like, I can't help it. It's funny. So um, I said, you know, I'm just going to leave you. No, he was like, no, 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 stay, stay. I want you here. I want you here by my side. I'm like, it's just a phone call. You're on a conference call. Handle your business and I'll get back to you. I'll be in my room. He was like, I got to travel halfway across the nation just to get to you. I'm like, this presidential suite is not that big. But it was just so funny. Um, It was just unreal. Well, I come out. I come out the room in my little pajamas. I I was layered to the nines, guys. I had this sheer chiffon robe that dragged the floor. I had my little pink, black, pink, silk PJs, which he thought were just too cute. And my little slippers on my feet. You know, I love, um, what is it called? Isotona. I had my little Isotona slippers on. That night, for some reason, there was a full moon. And Mr. Blue Republican parted the curtains and he said, I willed you this moon. This moon is for you. And he said, you see how beautiful and unusual, it had an unusual color, like an orange hue. I'm like, is that a blood moon? (laughs) Because I'm highly superstitious. He was like, no, seriously. And I remember him wrapping his arms around me. (laughs) And he said, you are so beautiful inside and out. And he said, I'm so glad you came here and I'm glad you took the chance on me. I'm like, well, I think we took a chance on each other. He said, yeah, but you're fearless. I said, because I know how to protect myself. And you're absolutely charming and interesting and brilliant. I mean, the conversations we had were so intense and political. And, you know, in the interim of him being this, I'm thinking he's just has dug in his heels. He's just a staunch McCain, Palin supporter. He looked at me as if I stole something. He said, girl, I got sense. I love McCain. He said, but the moment he picked that woman, he lost my interest. What? I said, I thought you were voting for McCain. He said, you know, and I will keep this between you and me, please. He made me absolutely pinky promise almost. That I would keep whatever he was about to say between us. He said, I'm telling you this because I can never tell this to my colleagues or my country club members. I was like, what? He was like, I'm actually thinking about voting for the cool black guy. I almost choked. I literally almost choked. I said, I thought you were McCain and Bush and all these other guys. He said, I never told you that. You just assumed that. Oh, holy shit. He just put me on the spot. I did. He said, you heard the word Republican and you went off the Richter. I'm like, look at the conversations we had. We we fought. He's like, I 
I don't like to lose, so I fought with you anyway. <laughs> Which I thought was, oh, you dirty rat. You're, you're rascal. You were just arguing with me to get my attention, weren't you? When you could have just said, I like you, I want to date you. He was like, it's not like me. I'm the vice president of a company. I can't concede like that. Oh, bullshit. You can if you want to. If you own to. <laughs> but I, I, understand, I knew where I, I got it. I got it. Totally got it. But um, I'm like, you can't tell your country club members that you voted for Obama? What does that mean? He was like, they would disown me straight away. And he was so serious. I'm like, is this really the big secret that you voted for Obama? You can't tell anybody? He was like, you don't get it or understand, do you? He said, you're not reading the tea leaves right. I'm like, uh, okay, I'll keep your secret. I think you will love Obama. Anyways, boom, boom, boom. Great night. He didn't bother me. He slept in the guest bedroom in the presidential suite. I slept in the, because uh, this was a Friday night. He decided to stay over for two days instead of flying back Friday morning. He stayed that extra day at, because we went out on the town Friday night, you know, during happy hour and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had a great time. Went to Twist, of course, my favorite place. Uh, we had a driver take us so we wouldn't have to drive because I knew we, we would be turning up the drinks and we did. We did tapas, sushi, 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 sushi. <laughs> I did more sushi boats than one woman should be allowed to order. But that said, um, came in did our thing and went to sleep um I woke up in the morning that table the breakfast table was absolutely stunning he had the chef prepare all my favorites I had a little buffet and he set up a little buffet in the room Uh, uh, okay (laughs) oh boy uh, got dressed and, you know, he walked me to my car, took my bags, everything. He said, you know, I'll be back. I'm supposed to be back in two weeks, but I had my personal assistant, my secretary, look at my schedule and I make him book an appointment next week. Mm, okay, fine. No, this was the week before... <laughs> The election in 2008. So something happened and he couldn't make it for the next month or so. I'm thinking, you know, whatever. He changed his mind. He didn't, you know, he voted for the other guy. He went total red, blah, blah, blah. I get a phone call. That I didn't recognize. Lo and behold, it was his personal assistant. I said, man, uh, I thought he had just went on to do other things. She was like, no, 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 no. He's just been busy. There's a, quite a few things going on, you know, with the market crashing, 
restructuring of the company and everything. He's no longer the senior, the national senior vice president. He's our international vice president. So he's been bumped up a little bit. Oh, well, okay. I guess he is a little busy then. I said, no problem. She said, well, uh, I'm booking his room, his accommodations. He wants to have dinner with you at Ruby Tuesday. He would call you, but he's in a, you know, in Germany at some corporation taking care of whatever. I said, that's fine. I'll meet him there. Well, Christmas is my busiest time of the year. <laughs> of course, I didn't make a six o'clock <laughs> meeting. I didn't get there till 830. By this, t- he kept calling me on the phone. I said, please, we're just crazy busy. I'm coming as fast as I can come, I swear. He said, I have all these drinks on the table. The waitresses are looking and the customers are looking at me like I'm crazy. So he was at Ruby Tuesday in College Park or East East Point, rather. Finally, I make it. And I said, you know, I'm pulling into the parking lot. He comes bursting through the doors, running through puddles of rain, water splashing everywhere. And when he hugged me, he completely lifted me off the ground. My feet were dangling. I didn't know he had that type of strength, really. But he was, I was taken aback a bit. I knew he would be happy to see me, but I had no idea that he would be that thrilled. And I really didn't know where to go with that. And, you know, you try to keep a cognitive, you know, us cognitive elitists, we we love to analyze. We analyze everything down to a toothpick in a restaurant. I, I wanted logic and reasoning for that rather than just going with the flow, chilling. So we get inside and I couldn't understand what the big hoopty hoop was about. But when I walked through the doors, the waitresses and the guys at the bar, you know, a lot of brothers were there. It was happy hour. I mean, it's East Point, College Park. Everybody, literally, it felt like everyone in the restaurant was looking at me as if I stole something. They were shocked. You know, and I was like, surprise. Eyes black. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to break the monotony. And I'll say anything crazy. I have a very dark sense of humor sometimes. He cracked up. The blue Republican nearly busted his side, but he never stopped kissing me. I mean, he kissed me on my cheek, my neck, the back of my neck. I'm like, huh, we're in a restaurant. I mean, someone actually yelled out, get a room. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, we need to sit down. He said, look, all these drinks I ordered for you. And I'm like, you order top shelf scotches and they're all watered down. They're like $12, $15 a shot. He was like, you're worth every penny. I don't care about that. I'll put it on my expense account. Well, boom. They, the lady, there were four uh, uh, young ladies on the right side of us, on the other side in this booth. And they were like, well, if you feel that way, give us them damn drinks. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was just funny because everyone became animated. But I tell you what, 
those brothers at the bar, they weren't having any of that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. None of it. <laughs> and a couple of women at the other end, they weren't having any of it either. But they weren't sisters like the rest of us. So, um, the wait staff kept looking at me funny. I'm like, well, I'm here now. Why is everybody looking at me crazy? All of a sudden, all the waitresses that are waiting on it, they leave the floor. And I'm thinking, you guys, those bells you hear is my um, Siberian Husky. You know, he got bit by a snake, so we have to watch him for two, three weeks. Uh, copperhead. Poor baby. Anyway, T'Challa, T'Challa. But anyway, um, that's my fur baby, y'all. I have to watch after him. Anyway, that said, I'm like, did, did we, did I, I asked him, I said, did, did I piss him off so bad that they had felt they had to leave? He, he just looked at me laughing with this cynical smile on his face. I'm thinking, what is, what, do you know something I don't know or any of these, your girlfriends? What? This is Atlanta. You know, I'm thinking, my mind was all over the place. And he just kept smiling, cooing and laughing, and like, there was nothing. So, all of a sudden, here come, here they come, the waitresses, the um, head chef, um, they had roses. He bought me bundles and bundles of roses. They were absolutely gorgeous. I had six dozen roses. Three dozen were pink with red tips. And the other three were red with pink tips. I don't know where he found those flowers from. He was like, guess what? I got your flowers from the same florist that, um, oh, what's that rapper Usher uses? (laughs) What do you know about Usher, he was like, girl, more than I care to know. I said, you know what? I'm not gonna. <laughs> You've been into too many Dallas strip clubs. That's the problem with you. I just thought it was charming and funny. You know, Steve, he was, <laughs> almost said it. Um, Mr. Blue Republican was just unreal. The next night, um, I had to work. I couldn't get off because he had taken, he had booked business throughout the entire weekend. Um, because it was really was in the financial community. It was really a rough and hard time for them. And I introduced him to some people that I felt would make his life a little bit easier. I knew people connected to Lords of London. And of course, he wanted an explanation about that. I'm like, never. Just meet with them, do treat them right, and they'll treat you right. Be honest and upfront with them, and tell them the truth, and see where it goes and gets you. And come to find out, they were able to do business. He was like, you know, I should give you a finder's fee. Not you, but your company should. 
I'll only accept it if it's through your company. And that's it. He was like, how in the hell am I going to explain that? You're the international VP. Figure it out. I'll just be damned if I didn't get my 15% (laughs) just for the introduction because it ended up in a deal. I love that. But, But that let him know that I was about the business too. And this wasn't just some shotgun relationship. But... We decided to meet the next night and um, early. I said, you know, can we not, can we not go to the, some high-end restaurant? I'm just really tired and over it. I'm tired of steaks and uh, Chateaubriand and all this. Can I, I just want me... Some wings from Johnny's Hideaway. <laughs> uh, um, tomato soup. And, you know, or lobster bisque. Um, calamari. Just finger food. Just everyday food. I don't want a crowd. I'm tired. I'm, it's just too much. And can I just please enjoy you one-on-one, you know, in a dark room somewhere. And he said, well, you know, I don't know about this Johnny's. I've heard of it, but I've never been. Oh, honey, Johnny's is where it's at. So I took him to Johnny's hideaway. We met after work. After I was, you know, after I got off work, of course. And we went in. And, of course, I ordered the... He had the filet mignon, of course. But I told him that Johnny's had a five-star chef from the Palm and... Uh, Vegas, which was the Playboy Club. And um, he was an amazing, amazing chef. I mean, that filet mignon. He said, I never had filet mignon. What kind of filet mignon is $11.95? I'm like, Johnny's Hideaways. <laughs> they can afford it. They can afford to sell it cheap. I said, but it's Angus. You know, I know, I know the owners and managers and stuff and I know the chef he said I see and you know we sat in a Sinatra room if you know anything about Johnny's Hideaway and Atlanta ladies that's like Atlanta's version of you know uh was it Studio 54 New York 52 whatever famous uh club it is in New York and we ate uh, we we did the calamari. The calamari literally melted on our tongues. Seriously, it it literally it was so delicious. Not overcooked, not undercooked. It was perfect. I had the tomato soup. Oh, unreal. I had the uh, grilled cheese with on Texas toast. With Gouda cheese. That thing was so gooey when I pulled it apart. We pulled it apart together and it was all stringy. And (laughs) Mr. Blue Republican and I actually, we just took that one stringy piece. (laughs) It It was like strings and strings and strings. of um. That's him fussing. He want his little snack. Here. Here you go, boo boo. And he, because of my health, guys, I have to have the dog near me. Um, 
because I have problems with my breathing, my heart. But that said, anyway, like little kids, we stood up and we took one string and I took the other and we actually just ate it and ate it and just started gobbling it up in our mouths as best we could. It was too funny. Um, he ate and I ate and we sat there. We were in conversation, of course. He was talking about how happy he was, the way things were going. I'm like, me too. He said, I just wish you weren't such a commitment phobe. Well, we're not going to have this conversation at Tony's Hideaway for sure. So, boy, fun time. So he was like, well, everyone's dancing. You want to dance? I said, well, I didn't know if you danced or not, Mr. Blue Republican. You know how you, you red boys are? I always teased him about being a red boy. He knew that meant Republican. He said, I would love to dance. I said, i tell you what, I'll pick the song. So I called the waitress over, wrote the song down, and I wrote Unforgettable. And I had to dedicate it to him. Those blue eyes watered up so bad <laughs> because he had those funny blue eyes that sometimes they look gray with that sp- spiky blondish hair and um, he kissed me on the back of my hand and walked me up, picked me up helped me out of my seat because we were in the high chairs which was easy for me to get up and down because I'm 5'10", so I'm pretty tall. We go to the floor, and we're just dancing to Unforgettable. And you, I think that song went on forever. I believe the, because the DJ winked. He, you know, I don't know what he did. I think he tipped him. <laughs> because I saw him slip something out of his pocket and flash it at the DJ. And that song went on forever. And we just danced. I fell into what I call the cubby hole, which is that spot right there in a man's shoulder. I fit in that cubby hole like a hand in a glove. Literally. I thought I had smelted my body to his dress jacket. And because he had on jeans. And his little um, sport, you know, dress jacket, his dress shirt was unbuttoned at the top. He was just very casual and comfortable. And he just laid his head on top of mine. And we just danced. There was something enigmatic going on between us. And he just said... I don't know what to make of you. You're one of the most wonderful, extraordinary women I've ever met. I said, you say that to all the girls, don't you? He said, no, I don't. I've never dated a woman of color before. I didn't know what to look forward to. He said, but I knew the moment I met you that there was something about you, the way you stood in the corner by yourself, unafraid. 
just didn't want to be bothered by anybody. And the way you smiled and smirked around the room when I saw you winking at, I guess, your friend who invited you or brought you. I'm like, yeah, I just wanted to enjoy myself. I said, but this has been one of the most fantastic times I've had at Johnny's Hideaway. Thank you very much. And he lifted up my head and he kissed me on the floor. He just stopped. Dead center of the floor and he kissed me. And he said, you know, you would make a great partner and wife. Oh, mm mm-mm. Not here. Not in Johnny's. I said, let's just enjoy the music and have this conversation later. I'm thinking I could keep him out as long as I can. He would forget about it. Blah, blah, blah. Once we get in the limo, what does he do? He starts over the conversation again. I said, you know... My kids are grown, yours are young. I cannot marry you. I said, please, let's just enjoy our time together and figure this out as we go. He said, okay, but I'm not gonna let you go anytime soon, just to let you know. And you can go and tell the competition I said that. I'm like, what competition? What are you talking about? He was like, girl, don't lie to me. I said, okay, but what about you? You travel all the time. I'm thinking, I bet you got bitches, hoes, whatever, across the, the nation. Tuh. He was just, I don't know. It was just one of those things. But we ended up becoming the best of friends, best of lovers, best ever, you know. But. I just enjoyed, I learned so much. He taught me so much about business. I taught him so much about everyday ordinary people and his employees and what he should do and how he should treat them better. I mean, he treated them well, don't get me wrong, but things he never, he forgot to remember. And our conversations were so deep. That's why I like to call him Mr. Cognitive Elitist because he wasn't this snooty, look down his nose at you type. But ladies, I want you to know that this gentleman actually exists. And these relationships were real. And they mattered. Um, We mattered to one another. But they can be the most powerful. And he wasn't looking for the young chick. The 25, 30 year old. He was looking for the 45 year old woman who had her shit together. Who knew who she was. She didn't have to. One thing about Mr. Blue Republican. He never cared about labels. and He appreciated me more. Because he knew I didn't wear them. Then I had the opportunity to. I I could wear Gucci or whatever. It wasn't my style before I met him. It was going to be my style with him. Plus, whenever you're dating the banker, remember this. Never wear all black if you can avoid it. Wear navy. 
with brown shoes. <laughs> Make sure your shoes are brown, not black. I can't begin to tell you how important that etiquette was. I always wore Brooks Brothers. Brooks Brothers clothing is expensive, but it's tailor-made, it's very expensive. Um, there was a store in Atlanta at the time called Mark Shale. The, when Mark Shale went out of business, because they went out of business in Atlanta, but the one in Chicago, their Chicago branch was open. I could always find slacks that fit me perfect. They never had a hem in them. They always tailored them to your height and weight in the store. I always wore pants, slacks with a double bank. Never a single bank, always double bank. And then with that little, uh, little cuff and a double bank because it was more of a classic style. Businessmen always appreciated it. It took women who dressed that way far more serious because they knew that they took themselves serious. And the clothes were, I mean, this wool was so smooth and well, well tailored. I just miss Mark Shale so much. But I wore Mark Shale and I wore Brooks Brothers, off brands that most women in Atlanta didn't really wear or appreciate. But those were, that was the attire that got their attention. And it shows that you have taste in class and about yourself. But I say this to say that do not think when you're dating you cannot have it all just because you're older. You can have it all. It's up to you and the decisions that you make about your life. You know, not everyone is into interracial dating. I, I just am. I've been across the other side for 35, 30, 35 years. I don't see myself turning around anytime soon. It's just the way the cards fell for me. But I've had the most blessed, having looked back, blessed and wonderful relationship with gentlemen and people with a different and diverse background. I think there have been the most powerful relationships, but they were built not just because I was a woman of color, but because I was a woman of integrity and intelligence. And my conversations you know, rather than sticking my head in vogue all the time, because believe me, I did, in L, I stuck my head in Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I would buy Barron's every time I hit Barron's newspaper, financial newspaper, every time I hit uh, Starbucks. And whenever Stephen came to, t- <laughs> whenever he came to town, I can't believe I did that, but. Whenever he came to town, I would always get a Brooks Brothers scarf, shirt, (laughs) skirt, handbag or something. And he knew my favorite handbag was Dooney and Burke. I would get handbags from the factory that was nowhere on the market. And I love that. 
know, do not think just because you're the older girl, you can't have it all. You can. So that said, I just had a blooper. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm so worried about my dog getting bit, a bit again. I'm watching him from the window thinking, why are you over there by the shed? Please, please, T'Challa. Because I can't climb those stairs fast enough to get you, to rescue you. But anyway, that's so funny. I bet you guys are tickle pink. But I hope you enjoyed this fireside chat and podcast today. But that's what Mr. Cognitive Elitist is all about, ladies. He's charming. He's respectful of you. He's into you, the woman. But your conversations are going to be so deep and, and intriguing and engagement, engaging. Um, and, you know, Mr. Cognitive Elitist can be black, white, green, or purple. It doesn't matter. For me, it just sort of fell that way. But that said, I am excited. So if you enjoyed the fireside chat, please, please follow me. And just enjoy. I'm tickle pink. <laughs> Stay safe, stay sheltered, and I think I'm just in the, and in a place in my life where things are just wonderful. And when I look back, I realize how extraordinary and how fun and how lucky I have been in my past. You know, I've had my struggles in life, don't get me wrong. Not every relationship was perfect, because there were some, I mean, there were some, I, I'm like, you know what, I got to I'm going to throw you in the deepest end of the pond I possibly find. And we're done here. Period. But, I'm just saying, Mr. Blue Republican was a charmer and it was a respect in the way I was treated. I was treated like the Queen of Sheba. And adorned with respect and love. And that's hard to find these days. And again, it's not about the label. It's not about being the old, you know, the younger chick. Just be yourself. Be confident. Educate yourself. Research. Learn. Because people identify with people who speak their language. And if that lingo is finance, know a little bit. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar, but study and learn. You'd be surprised where it takes you. The art of conversation is where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. And that is where it will always be. So I hope you guys have a great evening and good night. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. I've had an amazing time talking to you guys. I love my fireside chats because I get to sit and watch and talk. And it's much funner to me than a much more enjoyable than a podcast. Have a great evening and ask me any questions you like. Message me on Anchor or Spotify. It's just a lot of fun. I'm having fun. I'm 56 years old. I'm having the time of my life. Enjoy everyone. Be safe. Stay sheltered in. Mask up. And lots of bleach. Have a great evening. Good night.